for tuning in to NL Newsday. It is Tuesday, but since there was no NL Newsday yesterday, thanks to the Vancouver Canucks taking my spot, I'm pleased to welcome to the show now my usual Monday guest, Acumen Laws, Kyla Lee. Kyla, how are you doing here today? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Well, thanks for always coming back on the show. So I want to get into this whole BC travel issue that is obviously the top of everyone's mind right now. So judging from what I've seen so far since these new orders aimed at stopping travel and stopping the spread of COVID in BC came into place last week, they seem to have worked for the most part. So just for some quick background, on Friday, uh, Solicitor General and Minister of Public Safety Mike Farnworth introduced new restrictions prohibiting residents of BC from traveling between health authorities for non-essential reasons. Uh, the rules are now in place until the end of the May long weekend. And if someone is uh, found to be, you know, traveling for unnecessary reasons between health authorities, they could be fined $575. Now, first of all, Kyla, we had a pretty similar conversation just last week when it came to the introduction of police powers in Ontario, which were pretty quickly walked back after a number of complaints. Uh, concerns included, you know, minorities potentially being unfairly targeted, and a lot of police forces themselves really didn't seem to have any interest in enforcing some of the rules that Ontario was looking to bring in. Now, we here in D.C., uh, a week later, after those Ontario rules came into place and then subsequently removed. Similar rules now coming into effect here in BC. Was there anything, just first and foremost, about these new orders that you looked at and saw? I, I don't know if that's something that we should be allowing to be enforced here in, in British Columbia. The one thing I will say is there was concern about potential for you know random people to get pulled over. Doesn't sound like police forces are going to be doing that. They're just kind of going with these random spot checks or road blockades, if you will. Was there anything about any of, of those types of uh, scenarios that you looked at and, saw, and thought uh, this is something that could cause some concerns from a legal perspective? I mean, when John Horgan initially announced this travel restriction, he had suggested that there were going to be just random stops. And that made me very concerned because, you know, we don't, have just constitutionally justified random stops um, to check why somebody is out driving. Uh, it would cause a disproportionate impact on people of color. Um, when that was walked back by Mike Farnworth and he said, you know, actually there's just going to be roadblocks at particular choke points and listed off the locations. I still had the same concerns about the disproportionate impact on people of color and indigenous people. Um, as far as I'm concerned, you know, if you look at the data dealing with people that are stopped in these scenarios, they're subjected to greater scrutiny for a longer period of time. They're asked out of their vehicles. They're more likely to be disbelieved when they state their reason for their travel or when they state that they haven't been drinking if it's a counterattack roadblock. And to sell this to the public as a way to minimize the disruption on the lives of people who are more impacted by uh, interactions with police, I think is disingenuous and I think it ignores the reality of the lived experience that these people are going to have. So what, with that being said, I guess, what would be the appropriate way to, to go about handling this? I can't think of a, another way that would work. I, I don't disagree with anything you just said. I'm just not sure how the best way to go about actually seeing where people are traveling to and from other than, you know, having these types of random blockades. Is there another way that makes sense in your, in your, you know, expert legal opinion? 
I mean, no, not really. <laughs> I, I mean, other than just outright banning the travel at all um, and, you know, requiring people who are traveling for essential reasons to provide some sort of proof uh, of the reason for their travel, documentation, uh, or to get clearance in advance um, by applying online or something like that, I, I just don't think that this is possible. And and it doesn't have to be possible um, just because we have rising case numbers. We don't have to go from zero, you know, essentially suggesting that we, you know, all stay home and not leave our health authorities and and making a lot of recommendations, but not putting in any orders to 100 and putting in extremely restrictive orders um, with an even more narrow definition of essential work than we've seen throughout anything else in this pandemic um, and expecting people to comply with that. There could have been a middle ground. You know, the government could have done something that was halfway between, uh, you know, suggesting that people don't travel and hoping that they would just listen and stopping everybody who's traveling down highway one when they get to the, the hope, uh, the hope exchange. Mm -hmm. Um, I I kind of almost felt this was sort of a middle ground between doing nothing and, and some of the stricter stay at home orders that we've seen other provinces sort of undertake. Um, I guess, is is this not something that's sort of in between those? Because a stay-at-home order is basically just, you know, a complete ban on moving at all, whereas at least this still does allow for some movement within your health authority, albeit somewhat confusing. A lot of the suggestions that were coming to the public health officials about putting bans on travel um, included things like just making the order um, and relying on the social impact uh, and, and the impact that having an order in existence has on people. Knowing that it's an order and not a recommendation is more likely to get people to comply with it, even if there isn't enforcement, at least for a short period. And this is an order that's only in place right now for a couple weeks. Um, the other thing that the government could have done is they could have targeted those places that are travel-related places and shut those businesses down in the same way they shut down everything at Whistler earlier this year. Mm -hmm. They could shut down all of the other ski hills. They could shut down recreational campsites. They could uh, require passes, as they did last summer, for hiking trails and parks and only issue those parks to people who are in that local health authority or in that local community. These are middle grounds that could have been used to stop this problem of non-essential travel and the social aspect of it without going so far as to interfere with the freedom of movement of every single person that's driving down the highway. Um, One thing that really has me a little bit confused about this whole thing when it comes to how enforcement is taking place is I understand, you know, there there are these blockades that are occurring on on highways within BC, but at the actual Alberta border, from what I understand, there's basically just signs that have been put up that say, hey, you probably shouldn't be driving into British Columbia. I mean, that doesn't feel like much of a deterrent. And I get, you know, we've talked about this before. We're Canadian um, and and we're allowed to be able to freely travel between uh, provinces. That's our right to be able to do so but how how can it be justified i guess that stopping people between health authorities is okay but stopping people between borders uh provincial borders is somehow not not as acceptable i I, that just doesn't correlate for me i'm just curious if you have any thoughts on that there is a reason for it um legally under the constitution the provincial government can only make laws that apply to people in british columbia 
So if you are in Alberta and you want to come into British Columbia, we can't stop you from coming in unless Alberta says that you can't go to BC as well. There has to essentially be a mutual agreement between the two provinces mm-hmm. in order to close a border. That's what we see between you know Ontario and Quebec and, and Ontario and Manitoba. With the Atlantic bubble, there was a mutual agreement. We don't have that. Well, Jason Kenney has said that he supports what we're doing. There is no mutual agreement to close the BC-Alberta border, and I can guarantee you that there likely won't be one because of the number of workers that travel between in the two provinces in the oil industry. But wouldn't, uh, well, uh, I guess this is a question for another day. I was going to say, wouldn't that necessarily be essential travel then if they're doing so for, for employment purposes? But we can get into that discussion another time. Um, one, one thing you mentioned to me was that there's this offense that has been created under these new travel orders that you can get a fine basically uh, for being rude to a police officer, which is a very wide open word that could mean a whole lot of things. And it's what it means to me might be different for you and might be different for somebody else. I mean, how can, how can you put this in there without defining what that means without, you know, basically telling people this is what being rude or unruly means when you're interacting with a police officer, this is totally up to the discretion of the officer involved. It is absolutely a completely subjective rule that would uh, require entirely the officer's discretion in determining what is and isn't rude. And I have a big problem with it because the government has, you know, two significant obligations when they create a law. The first obligation they have is to create a law that's not vague. It can't be too vague that it can cannot be properly enforced or that it's not going to be over-enforced, particularly against people who are vulnerable to over-policing. The other obligation that they have is not to violate the charter unless it is justified. And while there's lots of arguments in favor of, of, you know, restricting travel as a, a justified violation of the charter because of the need to preserve life and prevent the spread in the third wave of the pandemic, rudeness does not transmit the virus. And you have a right to freedom of expression. You have a right to argue with the police officer so long as you don't obstruct their investigation. You have a right to express your opinion about authority that officer is is exercising against you. And there's no justifiable reason related to this pandemic to say you can have to pay $575 because you told an officer to, you know, F off. Am I allowed to say that? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Uh, if you told an officer that, um, that you have to pay $575. That's absolutely unjustified. It is a complete overreach, and it should be removed from the order as soon as possible. Well, and and just, you know, thinking to like some, some video encounters I've seen with police, it probably is more so in the, in the states where I've probably seen the vast majority of these videos come from. But like you see this all the time when someone gets pulled over for a traffic stop. Maybe it's just like a speeding ticket. They were going uh, 15K over the speed limit, for example. And and uh, the police officer pulls them over, writes them up a, a notice. And throughout the process, the officer involved just kind of decides, I don't like the way you're looking at me. I don't like the way uh, your, your tone is when you're having a conversation i mean you could be being as polite as possible maybe you're having a bad day and 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 therefore it seems like you're being rude when really you're just trying to be as polite as possible while cringing through what's been a difficult time i mean i can't i i don't i hope police officers aren't going to be taking advantage of it in that kind of a way but this totally leaves that door open doesn't doesn't it like i mean who knows what people could potentially get fined for right It leaves the door open for complete abuse by police. And my expectation is that most police officers will not use this. 
But as we know, there are those officers who, you know, are going to be given this power and are going to be thinking, great, you know, now all the time somebody's sworn at me in a traffic stop, I can use this to issue them a $575 ticket. And you have to imagine that police, after years of having to deal with that, it can't be fun. It's got to lead to pent-up feelings yeah. um, for some of them. You know, the, the temptation to just unleash that on somebody, I just think that it's wrong for the government to create a law and a power that allows them to ease that tension by punishing people for perfectly normal behavior. Um, a large chunk of the fines that were handed out under other uh, COVID-19 orders that were put into place by the province, things like, uh, you know, the mandatory mask order for things like that. Um, a lot of those, I think, you know, probably more than half of them were actually disputed. Do you think that we'll see the same thing happen here with these $575 fines? If they are um, being handed out, uh, hopefully not willy-nilly, hopefully they are being handed out for legitimate reasons, but do you think even in most cases there's probably a defense that can be made to say I shouldn't have been handed this fine? In most cases, I think the government is going to have a very difficult time proving that the person was traveling for non-essential purposes. And the reason for that is that anytime that you're compelled to provide information to police or you have an interaction with police where you give them information prior to having the opportunity to consult with a lawyer, that information is only admissible against you for the limited purposes of showing that the officer had grounds to do something that they had the right to do. So the officer might have grounds to issue the ticket, but it's not admissible as proof in court that you are guilty of the offense of attempting to leave your your health authority or violating the health order. And the government's going to have a, a, a real difficult time getting these statements made by individuals admitted into court um, as a result of the, these rules that apply to roadblocks and conversations between police officers and individuals at roadblocks and the fact that they're not admissible as evidence. Any advice for anyone who, who finds themselves going through one of these roadblocks? I mean, some people might be nervous because there's some confusion about what I'm allowed to travel for and what I'm not. So anytime a police officer gets in, involved in a conversation about that, someone, you know, might have their back up against the wall being like, I don't want a $575 fine. What I think I'm doing, what I think I'm traveling for should be fine in my eyes, but maybe it's not in the eyes of wh whoever I'm speaking to. Just what would be your advice to anyone who is finding themselves going through a roadblock is it just kind of be honest and and you know don't don't try to make anything up to try to get yourself out of a ticket that you're probably not going to get anyway I mean, I have two pieces of advice. The first is if you're confused or you're uncertain about whether you should travel, call a lawyer and ask them to, you know, go through the list of essential travel with you and determine whether or not you fall within the definition of essential travel. And then you can make the responsible decision with appropriate legal advice. When you're at the roadblock, if you're asked questions, you have no obligation to say anything other than your name, your address, where you live and where you work. And my recommendation, as it's always been on this show, is beyond that to remain silent. Um, last question I have for you here, Kyla, but uh, today the Premier was uh, made available. Um, he was asked about the details. We heard on Friday Mike Farnworth saying, well, we'll see more details on these travel orders uh, at some point. We were thinking we might hear them yesterday. Still haven't seen anything here on Tuesday. Uh, Horgan's response to the question about more details, he says, BC has been pretty clear on travel restrictions. Do you think that it's pretty clear for you at this point because I'm still a little murky on it. It's not clear at all. 
Um, I'm still getting as many calls as I was the day John Horgan, you know, blurted out to everybody's surprise that this was coming uh, about whether a person can travel, what is essential travel, whether what they're doing falls within the definition of essential travel, what your rights are, what you have to say, and what police can do to you. I'm having as many questions today as I was on the first day. And that shows that the government has really not clarified enough information for the people who are most affected by it. Well, that's a good place to, to wrap, I think, Kyla. Thank you, as always, for the time. Appreciate you doing this on a, a Tuesday as opposed to a Monday. Thanks for the flexibility, and we'll hopefully uh, catch up again next week. Yep, sounds good. All right, there you go. Acumen Laws, Kyla Lee, a lot to break down there in terms of these travel restrictions and the confusion that does seem to come along with them. I will say, uh, you know, the kind of the point that was being made all afternoon by myself on Friday, and, and we heard it from others out there, basically saying if you have to ask the question, you probably shouldn't be traveling. That's, that's really what it comes down to. If you're pretty confident and you're like, this is a real reason I should be traveling, it is essential, I got to do this for whatever reason then you're probably okay. But let's, you know, keep it within reason and be responsible. Don't be traveling if you don't have to. Stay within your health authority, obviously, first and foremost, but really stay within your community as much as you can. We got to get through this whole March, or March, May long weekend. It's, uh, you know, less than four weeks away now, so we'll get there, and hopefully the curve will be going in the right direction. It seems to kind of be treading that way, although, uh, what do we have? Almost 800 new cases here today, so... There's room, there's room to get better. That is for gosh darn sure, and hopefully we'll get there sooner than later.